Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Well, 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 it's good to be back where we belong. High noon on a Wednesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing, knuckleheads. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next two hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Oh, yeah, between the two of us, we've got a decade of NFL experience and a really good head of hair. This feels great. It's game week. Arthur Motes is back. It's a Wednesday. And you already know the drill. You want to chime in anytime over the next 120 minutes, find us on Twitter. At Wes Euler at the body 52. The body. Oh, fresh back from the vacation and ready to work. What up, Mosey? Let's go, man. I missed you. I missed the power grid, man. It, it's, it felt like too long. It I, was. I was down to get Especially antsy. It was a long weekend yeah, and, and being like, off yesterday. I was over here. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was really sad yesterday. I was hyped up. I had everything. My notes. I'm like, oh, yeah, I cannot wait to come into the studio. Man, you text me. I said, oh, no, don't do that to me, baby. No. <laughs> I got to wait another day to come in here and talk to my man, Wesley Yule. I got to wait another day to talk to the power grid. Come on, baby. It is game week officially Let's official. Go. Dude, we survived the blizzard. We survived we the did. drought. We're there. We, we, we walked through it all, man, oh. and now we are here. Listen. Let us reminisce just for a quick second. I, I'm over here thinking about how. <laughs> the last five months, how, all the content that we came man, up with. Man, we, we was over here getting super creative every day. Like, hey, what'd you come up with? All right, I got this. What do you got? All right, let's all put right, this well, we together. We can find a way to talk about the linebackers yeah. again, but we can package it like this. <laughs> right. Whereas today, I'm like, oh, man, we got a plethora of info. Don't, we ain't even got to prepare for this show. We're good. Where do you want to start today, Seriously. man? Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. That's what I was thinking this morning. And then Arthur Motes. I mean, we obviously got a lot of a lot to get to. Cam Hayward is locked in as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Mm-hmm. We got a five. 53-man roster uh-huh. with us. Uh, some familiar names coming back to Pittsburgh. Got a new starting right tackle. Got a new starting right tackle. We got a new punter with uh, yes. with some Super Bowl and All-Pro pedigree. The quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, spoke this morning. But Arthur Motes, mm-hmm. as much as you and I, I mean, we're going to be electric. We're going to have a lot of fun today and this week. Uh, the news where we have to start it is sad in, in, in a way. I, I mean, it is. There, in there's, a sense, yes. There's no other way to put it. Um, you're happy for Ryan Shazier that in this video it, it looks like he has turned that next page. Um, something that we can all understand. Man, that had to be a process for him. It, he talked about that on his Twitter account. We're going to play that in just a second. But for those unfamiliar with what we're talking about, Arthur Motes, uh, your former teammate, man, Ryan my brother, Shazier. Man, that's my brother right there, baby. Officially retired today. And you know what? Let's play that statement from him. Uh, Ryan Shazier took to his Twitter account, posted a video announcing his retirement. Here is what he had to say. When I was five years old, I made it the greatest discovery of my life. I discovered a game that I love, the game of football. Ever since then, I've given my life to the game. I love everything about it, playing it, practicing it, studying it, watching it, talking about it, and thinking about it. Football gave me everything I could ever want anymore. It taught me about hard work, dedication, teamwork. It took me to college and the NFL. It made me money and gave me a life that most people could only dream about. I'm here today to make sure the world knows how much I still love football how grateful I am for everything football gave me. And I'm here to let the world know that today 
I am officially retiring from the game I love so much. It's been over a thousand days since I got hurt on the field. To lose the game in a way I never envisioned has not been easy. When you play the game of football the way I did, you convince yourself you're Superman, that nothing can stop you. But then the moment I got hurt, I stopped being Superman. And that was difficult to make sense. But the way I look at it, God put us all here for a purpose. For 20 years, he let me play football, and now it's time for me to do what he wants me to do. I'm going to step away from the game for a while and see what else life has to offer. I know football will always be here for me if I need it, but right now I'm excited to explore some new challenges in different paths. You'll be hearing from me real soon about all the things I'll be doing. I want to thank my lovely wife and kids my parents for all their support and their love. I want to thank my trainer, Jerome Howard of DPD for his patience and passion. I want to thank the Steelers organization, Coach Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, Mr. Rooney. There was a day in my rehab a while back when they came to watch my progress. I had a long way to go, but I remember looking over and seeing them watch me as if they were at a pro day or a combine. Right then, I knew, never had a doubt how much they cared about me as a person and not just as a player. I also want to thank the people of Pittsburgh. You have been with me ever since I was drafted through good times and rough times, but never more than during my recovery. Thank you to every Pittsburgher for your support and thank you to everyone over the country and all around the world who prayed for me. I needed your strength and your spirit, and you gave it to me. When I first discovered football as a kid, I thought I discovered a game. It turned out I found out something more important than that. I discovered something that would turn me into a man, that would teach me how to live, how to chase success. When I got hurt, football may have been taken away from me but everything it gave me is still here inside. I am incredibly grateful for that, and I am truly excited now to discover what's next. Thank you. Ryan Shazier this morning on his Twitter account officially announcing his retirement. Arthur Motes, Pittsburgh is always going to ride for that guy. Hey, man, he's a living legend, baby. Living legend, man. What he did when he came here, the impact that he had on the field, impact that he had in that locker room, impact on guys like me, the impact that he's had on his community. And, and even after the injury, he yep. still has been a walking inspiration. He still Absolutely. has been so motivational, man. I mean, let's be real about it. It would be easy for him to have just shut it down when everything happened. I mean, you go from being like you talked about, being Superman or feeling like that yeah. to not being able to walk. I mean, like, that's so drastic. But I will never forget to this day, man, going to see him – the day he got back from Cincinnati, he's in the hospital, can't move, and we're in there, we're emotional, we're sad, and he's the main one in there like, yo, man, y'all good, bro, what's what's what's, what's, what's the cause this week, man, what, what they looking like on film, I'm like, bro, you're crazy, like, you're in the hospital, baby, what, what, who cares about football, but yeah, yeah. that was how he was always geared, man, in terms of, all right, 
this happened, but I'm not about to sit here and say, well, it was me. I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, this is just the, the most tragic thing because he always had things in perspective. He always talked about just how he was always like that 1%, right? Yeah. How, okay, 1% of uh, high school athletes make it to the NFL. 1% of kids have alopecia. 1% of people have scoliosis. He's like, man, I got all these different things going on. But I always looked at it as that just makes me special. Yeah. And you see the success that, that he had during his career. And then even now that he's transitioning to this next phase, prior to his official announcement, we still saw him being active. Absolutely. Teaching the younger guys like a Devin Bush, getting more involved with the, the front office stuff with Kevin Colbert, um, <clears throat> Coach Tomlin, and guys like that. So he's always been on the move. He's always preparing for what is next. And I think that's just a testament to who he is as a man. And ultimately, man, just seeing just the growth from him being drafted in 14, the year that I came here, yep. to where he's at now, husband, father, just an awesome man. So, yeah, man, tip, tip, big time tip of the cap to him, man, on his retirement. I know the career didn't finish how he wanted it to, but, man, while it was there, cool. you talk about quality. <laughs> he gave us some quality, baby. He gave us big time quality. Without a doubt. I mean, you know this. I think it's part of why you and I hit it off quickly in the first place. I'm, I'm a linebacker guy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, Joey Porter is my favorite <laughs> Pittsburgh Steeler of all time. That's where it all started. And Farrier and Foot and Haggins. And, and, you know, growing up on the stories, you know, in the 90s and my uncles and my grandfather uh, loving the Gildens and the Kevin Greens and mm-hmm. hearing the stories about the Hams and the Lamberts. And, you know, like I said, that evolving um, into the, the 2000s, right, when you when you had Debo and, and you had Lamar Woodley and you had Farrier. And, and we've kind of talked about this transition of it seems like the Steelers' defense always does this and kind of Ryan Shazier and Cam Hayward were the guys that kind of were tying the old era into the new era. Uh, he's a pro bowler in 16 and in 17 his last two years in the league. Was just starting to scratch the surface. Oh, no question, man. Uh, it's... Yeah, it's that's Ryan Shazier is like I said. I mean, it's going to be a story that's going to stick with everybody, all Steelers fans for a while. Uh, the number fifty, I can't imagine anyone's going to be wearing that anytime soon. Uh, we know how the Steelers go with retired retiring right. numbers. That's not really their thing. But you spoke to this right? How when you got to Pittsburgh and you were like, oh, what about number fifty two? And they yeah. were like, eh, no, <laughs> nobody really wears that number fifty two around here. We don't really here. give that out. Yeah. Just kind of like it is with number seventy five as well too. You know. Uh, I, I think that number 50 will be in that same vein. 41 starts in the NFL for Ryan Shazier. Almost 300 tackles, 299 tackles and 41 starts. Seven interceptions, seven forced fumbles, seven sacks. That guy really liked the number seven. Baller. <laughs> uh, and like I said, a, a pro bowler at age 24, a pro bowler at age 25. Man, Arthur Motes. And he was, I mean, he was just, he kind of defined that. That invincible linebacker. He talked about that, right? He was that. He was the the bat out of hell, right? Yeah. He was a guy that Steelers fans loved watching to play. And you know what? While it does suck that his NFL career uh, ended prematurely four years in at age 25, um, the fact that we've seen him walk, the fact that you were there at his wedding when he was able yeah, to man. dance on his wedding day. That he's, Beautiful day, man. That Beautiful gonna, day. He's going to be able to lead a and I'm using air quotes right lead a normal life he's going to be able to play with his kids he's not going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life yeah. I think in a weird way you know that I'm obviously I'm sure I mean he talked about it in that video something that he loved since he was five years old was taken away from him but I hope he he has found peace in the fact too that you know 
could could have been a lot worse, and 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 he is still going to uh, to to get to live a a long and and joyful and and a purposeful life as well. Oh, without a doubt, man. You talk about it. <clears throat> The fact that he will not be in a wheelchair, man, he's still able to live a normal and fruitful life is huge, man. Because seeing where he was and what he had to overcome to get to this point, as somber as this may feel, trust me, man, we are all elated to see how much he's grown. Yes. Like I said, both from a physical standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint, man. Because when football is your identity for so long, it is very hard to switch out of that and and from personal experiences i was kind of fortunate because i played so long that towards the back end of the career you got i was already kind of like man i know what i want to do i have an idea this is that that is that you start preparing for it whereas with him i mean dude he got hurt in year four you ask right you ask me what i want to do in year four it's drastically different man in terms of in terms of looking forward, because sure. you felt, I mean, you feel that you can play this game forever. And, and I know with Ryan having these conversations with him, I mean, he thought that he could do that. And we all thought so, too, because of just how electric he was. We never saw a player play the way that he played he, before. He stated all the time that he, he he had a goal to be a NFL Hall of Famer one day. Absolutely, he wanted to be man. a gold jacket guy. Absolutely. And, and it's very unfortunate that he's not going to get it from a playing standpoint. But... Man, when you think about just like I said, his impact, that's the one thing that I always say, man, is what what are people going to remember you for? Yes. When when you're done playing this game, are they only going to remember you for what you did on the field? They're going to remember you for what you did on the field, off the field, the communities, your leadership, where you a stand-up guy, where you're an awesome father, husband like are they just going to remember right. that big interception or that big hit that you, you know had? I mean? Are they going to remember the impact that you Absolutely. had in Pittsburgh, in Columbus, all over the country? Absolutely, man. And I personally feel that, man, he's a guy that understands that. He understands legacy. He yep. understands how impactful he is and how impactful his story is. So for me, man, I, I, I do find pleasure in seeing him grow to this point now where he's comfortable making that announcement, where he's comfortable yeah. saying, you know what, I'm ready to transition. I'm not going to be in fear of the unknown. I'm not going to be in fear of, man, did I fail because I didn't make it back to the field? No, you're not viewed as a failure at all. You're no. viewed as a major success Absolutely. story, man. This is all icing on the cake, whatever else you do from here on. So you're playing with house money in that in that vein, man. So I think those are all the feelings that a lot of us feel right now, and not even just Steeler Nation. I mean, we saw just – how impactful he was taking those steps at the draft. 100%. Think about that. That wasn't a Steeler thing. That that wasn't an Ohio State thing. That was global. That was just anybody in America that saw that was touched, was moved by it, understanding the story. That's who he is, man. He's going to continue to be impactful like that. I think so, too. I, I, think, his, I think he's just finding his purpose. You mm-hmm. know, he spent... What twenty years of his life dedicated to football? Yeah, and, and, and he puts that same intensity <laughs> into the next 40, 50, 60 years. Absolutely. And let me say this too, man. You talk about how much he put into the game. Now you got guys who will do the bare minimum, and we talked about this, right? Especially with first round guys, very talented guys like Shazier. Mm-hmm. Said typically, you got the guys who either have the athletic ability, but they don't have the work ethic, or they have the work ethic, but not the You're athletic just not ability. As naturally gifted. When you talk about this guy having both. That's I mean, where. dude, first-round talent, but he worked like an undrafted free agent every single day, even during the offseason where we're like, man, we're trying to chill. He's going out to Arizona. He was on the Debo routine, man. Let's get the training and things like that. Like, that is rare. 
That is very rare because you think of a guy like James Harris. You think about a guy like Vince Williams. You think about even like a guy like myself. Later, later round picks. picks Antonio Brown, the guys right? We right. always heard about Antonio yeah. Brown's work ethic. Because you, because you have pick. a chip on your shoulder. You always feel you have to prove something. You always feel that, hey, they're going to view me as not good enough, so I'm going to make sure that they know and respect my game. Most of the time, first-rounders don't have that. Especially first-rounders from Ohio State. Nah, <laughs> not at all. They don't have that. That's why typically we don't like first-rounders because we're always like, y'all think y'all big-time and bougie. <laughs> but then you get a guy like Shazier, and he was so humble and worked so hard. You're sitting here like, dude, how are you outworking me? I'm supposed to be the one who yeah. has something to prove. Yeah. You're working like you got you like, 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 we're, hey, like we flip-flopped or something here, yeah. man. But that's how he was, and that's what made him such a great player on the field and ultimately why people respected him league-wide because of that. So, man, for me, man, like I said, this is a great, great day for me, man, seeing him, Mm -hmm. being able to complete it, man, fully transition. And and I'm just excited to see what's next for him, man, because no one's Shea. Whatever he touches is going to be gold. Yeah. That's that's who he is, man. He's only 28 years old, like I said. I mean, he, he poured his life into football for two decades when he finds his kind of his next move here, I'm very interested to see where he is in another two decades. He is going to impact a lot of lives. He is going to do great things. Pittsburgh Steeler for life. Uh, this town will always ride for number 50, officially announcing his retirement earlier today. Uh, from one Ohio State Buckeye to another, uh, while Ryan Shazier might be closing a chapter on football and on his Pittsburgh Steelers career and moving to the next phase of life, uh, another former Buckeye who we thought might be coming to the end of his Pittsburgh Steeler career, Cam Hayward. He's not going anywhere for a long I'm time. Not we will. <laughs> I'm not the show goes on. <laughs> we will discuss uh, number ninety-seven and his lucrative deal that's going to keep him locked up in the black and gold for the next five seasons. On the other side, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, back in the saddle on a Wednesday. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Lovely to be with you here on a Wednesday on SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. Remember, keep those tweets coming. Uh, Glenn man, asks here. I thought here, you was calling me lovely for a second, man. Jeez. Well, I mean, you are. You still You still have that, uh, that vacation energy. You I, know I what I mean? I do. So we, I have a joke, right? Um... One of my best friends, when we graduated from high school, he moved to uh, to L.A. You know, to pursue the whole, the Big whole, time. the whole Hollywood acting, you yeah. know, directing all that stuff, right? And he still lives there, West Hollywood. Now, uh, eleven years. Oh man, that hurts to say out loud. I graduated high school eleven years ago. Eleven years later, could be worse. Uh, my buddy, my, my could, be worse. <laughs> uh, could be worse. Eleven, 11 years later, my, er, my buddy Alex still out in L.A. Um, he works for the American Film Institute now. Actually, oh, sweet. okay. Um, and he has this thing, right? He always says NRE, new relationship energy. Mm. All right? So that's like one of his things that he always talks about. Like, oh, you know, yeah, Garrett's got that big NRE right now, that new relationship energy. Oh, you know? uh, yeah. There needs to be like a, a PVE, like a post-vacation energy. Hey. Arthur Motes has got that glow going no, on. <laughs> no question. Now, and I will say this, man. Sometimes, you know, you come back from vacation and you're dragging a little bit. It's Sometimes true. you come from vacation, you need a vacation. You need another vacation. <laughs> For me, it's the opposite, baby. When I'm on vacation, I vacate. Yeah. I fully vacated my soul. I'm good now. I'm back. I'm ready to work. I'm enjoying it, man. It's good to see a smiling face, man. Woo. 
it, word. Yeah, I just it's a little over twenty four hours from kickoff here. I know. Team. I think, man, that's the thing too. It's because it's finally here. I mean, it felt so long. It felt like we were never going to see yeah. this day. And now it is here, so I think all of that is playing into it as well, man. But, hey, it makes for a great show. Absolutely. I mean, you left August 31st, you come back, and now we're staring down week one in the face. Yeah. That escalated quickly. (laughs) Glenn tweets here, uh, I know this isn't the important piece of today's announcement, but could you imagine, in all capitals, this current defense with Ryan Shazier still on it? It would be unreal. Yeah, I forget who it was. I think it was... um, I think it was Dave Damashek, who you know okay. is a Yenzer who works for the NFL Network. Uh, he's got a really good relationship with the DVE Morning Show. He was uh, he's on DVE, you know, every few weeks they have him on. He lives out in LA again, works for the NFL Network, but is from Pittsburgh as a Steelers fan. And there was this conversation over the summer on the DVE Morning Show. If you could add any ex-Steeler to this current defense, who would it be? Mm. And I was like, there was a lot of, oh man, give me Joe Green. You know, there was a yeah. lot of, give me Debo back. You know, I think it, maybe even a couple Troy Polamalu's. Could you imagine him and Minka together? But I said Ryan Shazier. And I said, with the caveat of the Steelers would have never gone up to draft Devin Bush if Ryan Shazier were still healthy. Oh, no question. That, that, yeah. that wouldn't have happened. But could you imagine Shazier and Devin Bush in the interior of a defense, what the Steelers could do, and, and, and matchups, you know, and, and how they would be able to counter teams with really good tight ends and that type of thing? Yeah. This current defense with Ryan Shazier on it, him and Devin Bush in the middle of the field, are mm. you kidding me? Mm. <laughs> that would be insane. Uh, keep those tweets coming in at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Uh, Arthur Motes, one guy we can't imagine still on this Steelers defense going forward. Is Cam Hayward. Yes, indeed. My captain. Motes, it it looked like it wasn't going to happen until it finally happened. Over the weekend, Cam Hayward, four years, $65.6 million extension. That now locks him in the black and gold for the next five years at a little over $75 million. But for me, Arthur Motes, the cap ramifications, the, the, the salary cap hit, how that looks going forward with an uncertain salary cap, that doesn't matter to me. Uh, Cam Hayward was a guy that they could not afford to lose. Pay the man. They did, and, and now he's uh, he's going to be hopefully a Pittsburgh Steeler for life. Absolutely, man. Um, when it comes to Cam Hayward, I know people like to talk about T.J. Watt. They like to get enamored with Minka Fitzpatrick and talk about those two guys as being the heart and soul or the best players on that defense, but I've been saying this for a while in terms of Cam Hayward, man. His impact, to me, he is the piece you cannot live without. We know with TJ, even if he were to take a step back, you still have Bud. You can bring somebody else in off the edge because of the impact that Cam Hayward has. Those edge guys aren't able to have the type of success that they can have without a guy like Cam Hayward dominating in the interior. Right. He is the piece. He's the guy that was here before all those guys became superstars. He's been here when they became superstars. And now he's still going to be balling at a high level. I mean, when you look at this guy, too, He's aging like fine wine. I know everybody's he quick is. to bring up the 30 number. That's why I love to see 30-year-olds get paid, man, because everybody's quick to, oh, man, you get 30, oh, you know, and let's just quarterback. Quarterback, you can, play, <laughs> you can be 70 and a half. You're like, oh, he's still in his prime. He got another year or two. But when it comes to every other position, nobody wants to show love for the 30 and up guys. <laughs> but, man, it was great to see Cam have this deal, man, where he became the highest paid defender over 30 years old, man, yeah. with that contract, man. Yeah. Like, And he definitely deserves it because, like I said, when you look at the productivity, he's coming off of what? Back-to-back Pro Bowl seasons, mm-hmm. back-to-back All-Pro seasons. Mm-hmm. 
We've seen his impact. We see how it's felt. Also, he's a great guy in the community. Multiple time, Walter Payton Man of the Award uh, winner. And everything that he does, I mean, from a health standpoint, outside of a pec injury, he does not miss time. And not to mention, when he tore his pec, he went and had three sacks that game. Right. Trust me, I tore my pec. I wasn't about to touch nobody. Nope. My man played a whole game with a torn pec, That's man. crazy. He's Straight never missed more animal. than one game in a season. Yeah, he's a beast, man, a beast. And I think that's for me why he always stands out that's why for me i view him as the most important person on that defense because he sets the tone in the run game and he also frees up so many guys in the past game while still being effective it's not as if he's just more of the casey hampton type yes. where i'm clearing up for other guys no he's dominating and this contract is not going to lead to him getting a lot more respect we talked about how guys like Khalil Mack and Von Miller, who even when they have down seasons, they still are viewed as the top guys. Whereas Cam's numbers are up there with the top guys. When you look at a Fletcher Cox, mm-hmm. outside of Aaron Donald, I mean, yeah, literally his numbers are up there with everyone. Everyone. But he never gets the respect. And we saw that firsthand versus the Colts where he dominates Quentin Nelson. But yet they talk about the game saying, as if, well, I don't oh, think Quentin Nelson Yeah, I don't think Quentin Nelson's that good anymore. Like, like, like Cam Hayward's not allowed to have a great game. Right. Like, dude, Cam is a monster. He, he's been dominant. He's He was a first-round pick for a reason, and the only reason he doesn't have the long list of Pro Bowls and all pros mm-hmm. is because initially he was classified as a DN. Correct. And we know as a DN, they're classifying him and ranking him against guys like Miles Garrett, against guys uh, – trying to think of other just traditional 4-3 DNs. Right. You think about a Yannick Ngakwe, those yep. type of guys yep. who are 10, 15-plus sack guys – it's a different thing, and what they were asking yeah. Cam to do was a 3-4 DN. Totally different. So now that they classify as a D tackle, now you're starting to see him gain that respect from a league-wide standpoint. And I think it's only going to continue now that he has the money to back it. Yes. Because in the NFL, I don't know why it is like that. <laughs> you're either on the cusp of getting paid and you get the respect, or you have to get paid to get the respect. It, it typically doesn't work the other way around, though. They they Once you get that massive contract and they say, oh, that's the highest-paid guy, now people start to take notice to you and appreciate you from a global standpoint. So, man, for me, I'm, I'm just happy to see it. But I do got one thing I got I got I got an issue with, man. Okay. From my personal experience when it comes to negotiations, Uh-oh. I've seen a lot of similarities here with Cam. Cam was talking about how just a week ago he thought that negotiations had stalled. He didn't think it was going to work out. It was going to be over. Then he says Mr. Rooney calls him up, comes to the office. They get the deal done in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. I think to myself, yeah, I remember that same conversation. <laughs> we were negotiating, negotiations stopped. Oh, here we go. Bag was packed, we're leaving. Here we go. I get a call coming to the office. I come to the office a couple hours later, the deal gets done. So my only question is this. Why? Why in Pittsburgh do we got to wait to the whining hours to get the deals done? The 11th hour, baby. You knew two, three months ago you was going to give Cam that money. Why you got to wait till it's a day or two before the NFL season kicks off? Why, why we got to do that? I think of Cortez Allen. He's another guy. I got paid the night before the opener. Come on, man. Can we? If you know you're going to pay that money anyways, baby. Can we just go ahead and take care of this a couple months early? We don't need all this suspense. We don't need this drama. We're not the Cowboys. We don't like this drama. We like it smooth, all right? So for for the next guy, when it's TJ Watts' turn, don't make TJ wait till till the week of kickoff and you're asking TJ, hey, are you going to stay here or are you going to leave? Oh, I don't know. We haven't talked in about a month. Nah, don't do that, all right? Don't do that. That's my only bone I got to pick. Other than that, I love it. Great job. 
Josh, because here's, here's, here's why. Here's why, Arthur Motes. Uh, let, me tell, let me tell you why. Let, let me hear this excuse making. Come on. No, I'm not just an excuse making. I'm actually uh-huh. gonna, I'm gonna quote from a uh, a Netflix show. Yeah. You ever watched the Netflix show Narcos? I have. About uh-huh. Pablo Escobar yes, and the Colombian cartel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, a, there's a scene in the first season. I don't uh-huh. remember where in the first season. Um, but where they're kind of talking about why do we always wait to the last minute to get uh-huh. these things done? Mm-hmm. And Pablo Escobar says, "Yeah, because negocios y negocios." And what that means is <laughs> because business is business. Uh-huh. That's just the way it goes. Someday, sometime Listen. back in the in the fifties, some ad executive on Wall Street decided that business can only be done at the eleventh hour because you got to see who blinks first. Whoever made that up. <laughs> I just want to smack him, <laughs> all right? And I don't even like violence, but I just want to smack him because it's no need. You know you were going to pay Cam 60 plus. You knew that, okay? So why why wait now when you knew you was going to pay him 62 months ago? You really think they just woke up the other day and said, you know what, I think we're going to get Cam 60 today. I think I think today is the day. No, they been knew they was giving him that. They been knew. I understand, okay, the first negotiation, you throw out a low number to see if he bites. Okay, he didn't bite. All right, he knows that we know that he knows. All right, let's cut the deal. All right, get get the 60. It's simple. That's the thing for me I just don't understand. Like, you you add so much stress. Now, everybody would have been going crazy if the deal backfires and Cam was like, nah, y'all waited too long, I'm done. Because I thought about doing that too. And, and most people have. It's like, yo, why, why? you knew two months ago. You knew a month ago. You knew when training camp first started and he said he's playing, he's not COVID opting out that you was going to get him that 60. So why wait? Why? You want the suspense? We want drama now? Come on, man. Because Arthur Motes, negocios y negocios. And, and I'm definitely not taking advice from Pablo Escobar. I'm, I'm adding that All to right. the Eulerism list. I'm adding that to the Eulerism. Listen, I am not about to take advice from Pablo Escobar. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You, you Listen, you you could give me any any other successful people. I'm not going Pablo's route, man. I don't, I don't like we. Ethically, Petey, Petey Pablo? We, 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 got some, we got some ethical differences. You Petey know what Pablo? I'm saying? I'm trying to think of other famous. Pablo Sanchez from Backyard Baseball and Backyard Football? <sighs> Pablo Sandoval. Give me Ooh, him. I like him, go. man. There like we go. <laughs> yeah. It, it is funny. 11th hour always seems to, to get things done, Arthur Motes. I am happy uh, that it's done with Cam Hayward locking that guy up, I, I think was very important. He is a fine wine. He's only gotten better. Um, he's got a, a fan. T- nothing in his injury history that gives you any concern. And I will say this too. You know how this works. You know, a few days later, when the when the numbers of this contract came out, mm-hmm. it's all pretty heavily. You know, I mean, the, most of the guaranteed money's in the first couple years. Yes. So if it gets to be, you know, Cam's thirty five years old and the production isn't there. It, oh, oh, so so Cam get thirty five now? Nah, y'all talking about the production not being there? That's crazy. Arthur Motes is really, uh, you know, there's yes. been a lot of talk. You know, Ooh. Ben talked this morning about pushing 40. We're talking about Shazier yeah, still only man. being 28 years Come old. Come on now. You know, I mean, this whole age that, you know, me 11 years away from high school and Motes, he's feeling I'm a little bit more, a couple more years than you, Wes, uh, you know. He's feeling some type of way today, folks. I just don't like all this age, all this age discrimination. <laughs> all this age hating. Why we got to do that? Uh, last thing with Cam, and Joseph uh, nails it here perfectly on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, Joseph talking about um, Cam being like the, the Joe Green type catalyst of our generation oh, no, no question, with this man. team. That's something the Steelers have always done. Mm-hmm. There has always been those guys from the previous era for the young guys to learn from, right? I, 
I, I mean, we, we Moats and I talked about this, I think, a month ago when we were, you know, in our, our gold mining for content before we were actually staring down real football, when we were ranking Steelers all-time linebackers and discussing Steelers all-time linebackers. Like, we talked about all the great linebackers that the Steelers still had on the roster when Mike Tomlin used a first-round pick on Law Dog and a second-round pick on Lamar Woodley, right? Like, Timmons and Woodley, when they still had a lot of really good linebackers on Absolutely, the roster. Yeah. That's the way the Steelers have always done things. There, there's always been the, you go from, you know, you go from Aaron Smith and, and Casey Hampton and, and Brett Kiesel and, and Cam Hayward is the guy to learn from those guys, and he passes it on now to, you've got T.J. Watt and Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, Cam was able to play with guys like Troy Polamalu, too. And the Steelers always, particularly on defense, it's like it's it goes from generation to generation, and there's always one or two guys that tie the previous generation into the current generation. Cam Hayward's that guy for me. He can talk about the Casey Hamptons and the James Farriers and the Debos and the Troy Polamalu's and the Ike Taylors and all the success that they had and how they were able to do it, and he was actually there for it and witnessed it all. To have that type of experience, that voice, Motes, it's something, again, the Steelers have done now for – three, four, five decades, I think that's a an intangible thing that you could almost argue becomes tangible. Oh, no question, man. And the thing that I also uh, <clears throat> like about just how they keep those type of guys around, especially a guy like Cam Hayward, man, you talk about this next wave of guys who are going to be going through contract negotiations. You talk about this next wave of guys who are playing in contract years right now. Matt Filer, Zach Banner, T, uh, obviously Bud Dupree. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go down Mike the list yeah, uh, of all these guys. But with a guy like Cam being around, a guy who's had to experience this at you know, different parts of his career and things like that, he's going to be able to help them so much as a resource, as a person that they can ask questions to, as a person that they can look to to see how he handled these type of situations, these negotiations and playing, understanding the the – hey, I want to get this deal done, but we might not get it done this year, how to conduct myself on a day-to-day basis. I think that's the beautiful thing about it. And what better guy than Cam Hayward? I mean, since he's coming to the league, he's been the consummate professional. Even when he got the nice deal, the big money deal, and he changed over to being big Cam, big money Cam, you know what (laughs) I'm saying? He still was very humble, man, still had that same type of work ethic coming in every day wanting to be great. It's certain guys that get paid and they do change. In terms of they, they become more flashy. They don't want to work as hard or they feel like they're above the law. With Cam, that's not him at all, man. He still is the same dude from when he got drafted in terms of how he approaches the game, how he respects the game, and how ultimately how he respects everybody around him regardless of where they are on this roster. So for me, man, I think that's one of the, the things that even though it's not talked about as much, right, is very impactful for multiple players on that team right now. I think so, too. It's good timing to have a guy like Cam Hayward around without a doubt. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. We got, folks, a lot more to discuss. Some familiar names back in Pittsburgh as we have a uh, a 53-man roster. We have a practice squad, and we are staring down week one, baby. Oh, yeah, keep those tweets rolling in. We will get to them in the second hour of the show. Got to discuss a little Dobbs, a little Sean Davis, a little right tackle battle on the other side. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. 
real diamond porter. Woo! Arthur Mutz, come back from vacation with the song request. Come on, baby. baby. Let's do this, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's right. When you first hear this song, it makes you think of that scene in Sandlot, oh, no right? Question, Has to. man. No question. <laughs> and I love that movie. Apples in the toilet, and you yeah. like it. You play ball like a girl. <gasps> Tomorrow, mm -hmm. noon, our field. <laughs> Steelers Blitz. Love it, man. Oh, that's epic. Epic. Arthur Motes, uh, some familiar names back in Pittsburgh. Josh Dobbs, Sean Davis, back in the black and gold. Motesy, I love it. Um, particularly, I mean, Dobbs back makes me feel better about the quarterback room yes. and the depth there. Sean Davis, though, I mean, you and I have discussed this a lot this offseason. Man, when we talk about the first 11 on the Steelers' defense, we feel really good. And even... Some of those options at corner, too, right, with guys like Mike Hilton and Cam Sutton. But we've talked about how now the absence of Javon Hargrave, you know, across the turnpike, paying that, like, $44 toll to take the turnpike over to Philly. Um, now, you know, after the starters, you're a little bit thinner on the defensive line. We love the starters at linebacker, but Mark Barron's gone. You're a little bit thinner. A uh, guy like Chicolo is gone as well, too, a little bit thinner at the linebacker position. And we've talked about that at safety as well. Uh, having Sean Davis back now, uh, alleviates a lot of those concerns because, I mean, we saw in his time in Pittsburgh, he was a guy in this defense who was asked to wear a lot of different hats, fill a lot of different roles. I like having a guy like that back uh, on the cheap in a depth position. That That's good business. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's on the cheap for the steals, but he's still getting his $2 million dollars from that's Washington, right. so right. he's winning. <laughs> but ultimately, man, the return of Sean Davis is huge. Um, we first think about Sean Davis. We know he was a starter here. And at times, he looked really good. A lot of potential with him. The problem was, you know, he moved around so much, he never got a chance to just build the foundation right. for one position. So when you look up and you're in year three or year four, but it's only your first year at this position, now it's looking different because you're supposed to have these fundamentals in place, but you never got the chance to develop it because right. you were playing nickel corner. Oh, you were playing strong safety. Oh, you were playing free safety. So you never got a chance to really learn the nuances of a defense. And, I mean, I was a guy who also experienced that, man. It's when you have that position versatility, that flexibility, and you're good at a lot, but you're not necessarily great at one particular hmm. thing then you start to bounce around from position to position a little bit, and it, it can be definitely challenging. I mean, it has its benefits to that because obviously you have the, the versatility to wear multiple hats, but if you're not careful, you can you know find yourself behind the eight ball when it is time to switch to a position for a long-term standpoint because you don't have those core things that were already laid down from a foundational standpoint. But ultimately, man, I do think that him being back, he's already played with Edmonds before, Yep. but – him being able to learn a little bit from Mika is going to help him out a lot. But then also, man, him being here is going to push Terrell Edmonds. Because That's before, a good point. before Sean Davis returned, you were looking at the safety depth and saying, okay, Jordan Dangerfield is the backup to both because Marcus Allen is listed as right. an inside linebacker. Right, they've been moving him yeah. around now. So you had to ask yourself, well, who is really going to challenge Troy Edmonds in that vein where he really feels that, right. hey, I can't come out here and play bad. I got to play good. Right. Probably not danger in not that vein. All. Probably not the rookie whose name's escaping me uh, right now. And, 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 roll. Uh, Is it Roll? What's no, no, his last name? Uh, Are you talking it, about Brooks? Brooks, yes. Yeah, Antoine, Antoine, Antoine Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, yeah. from Maryland. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So neither one of those guys would really push him like that. Whereas Sean Davis, 
it's multiple factors that let you know that, yeah, he's here to compete. Number one, he's already started in this defense for multiple yeah, years. Yeah. Number two, hey, he, he's got, he, he got paid. He went, he went through France and got paid. Now, obviously, the Steelers didn't compensate him that way, but he's still getting that money this year. Right. But number three, he's a dude that looks at, at, at Terrell Edmonds and says, man, that's my spot. I want that. And I'm good enough. They drafted me in the second round, so they've invested in me to be here. They went back and got me and after I got released. now he's looking around at that defense and the rest of that yeah. secondary. And he's like, man, the scenery is a lot nicer right. than when he, I left he's here. Like, he's like, it's a lot easier playing next to Minka Fitzpatrick when you got Joe Hayden on one side, Steven Nelson, Nelson, compared to... And you the, got Bud and TJ right. and Cam and Tewitt rushing. C- compared rushing to, the we, we can go down the list of the guys that, that uh, Sean Davis played with. You you obviously have Mike Mitchell. A then after Mike, you have Morgan Burnett. Obviously, you had Edmonds in there. That's three different guys no right there. no disrespect to those guys, but not they're not Fitzpatrick. Right, and then you look at your corners that you played with he only had what one year with Joe before that he had uh let's see Ross Cockrell mm-hmm. uh Antoine Blake Artie Burns Artie Burns Sanquez Golson Sanquez Cortez Allen for a little while so when and you, no disrespect to those guys not at all but, but they're Steven Nelson and, and Joe Hayden right <laughs> so it, it, it's a reason man like when we talk about guys that are able to be successful and or not successful it, it's multiple variables people like to oversimplify why a guy was good or not and it's never that simple. It's, right. it's multiple variables that go into it, that play into it. And I think for Sean, him coming back, now he had a chance to test the market, see what it was like in another organization. I know when I talked to him prior to free agency, that's something that he wanted to see. He wanted to see, like, yo, what is it like? Is this normal? Is how the Steelers run? Is that how everybody runs it? And he got a chance to see because – it's one thing to hear it. It's different to experience it, though. So for him, he got a chance to experience it, and now he was fortunate enough to be able to return back. And and we've seen this happen before in the past with William Gay. It worked out great. We saw this happen in the past with uh with Will Allen. It yeah. worked great for him as well. <laughs> so we can go down the list of guys who took a, 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 a vacation. A siesta. You know what I mean? And then return, and then ultimately they grow even more because they can appreciate it a lot yeah. more. With Sean Davis, I'm fully anticipating that. I think that, man – him being back now, like I said, number one, it adds so much depth to that safety room because he can play strong and free. Yep. But from a competition standpoint, it's going to push Edmonds and make Edmonds have to grow and continue to get better, which I already think he was going to do anyways because he's having another year in the defense, another year with Minka, not having to flip-flop. Oh, who is my guy? he's had a lot of moving parts Absolutely. around him I mean, in his think, young career. He's had time with Cameron Kelly out there. He's had time with Dangerfield out there. He's had time with multiple guys out there. So now he has continuity. And at this level, man, continuity is king, man. That's ultimately how you grow, how you can really just establish who you are in this league. You need that type of continuity. And now that Edmonds has that along with the guy that's going to push him and along with the guy that he can look up to and make and say, I want to get on your level, man, I think that's a great situation, a recipe for success for yeah. all three of those guys, honestly. I, I do too, absolutely. Uh, some Some good business by the Steelers uh, finalizing that roster. Uh, we're going to hear in the second hour of the show from Ben Roethlisberger. Before we get to Big Ben Motsi, it seems that we have an answer as to who will be protecting him on the right side of the offensive line. Not official. Strong from- side. Left side. Right Strong side. side. Right side. Right side. Yeah. I wouldn't say blind side. I was like, I can't say blind side. Nah, strong side. <laughs> Run it again. We'll be out here all night till you get it right. Mm-hmm. Um. It appears, according to some people in the know, Mark Cabali, our buddy Adam Crowley, that Zach Banner has won the right tackle starting position. Arthur Motes, uh, you surprised by this? Were you expecting Chooks? Um, is it 
maybe now it's it's not something that we should write in stone, right? Because this could still change after week one, week two. It's it's not kind of a finished product. What were your thoughts when you heard over the weekend that it appears Zach Banner has won the uh, the right tackle job at least for Monday night against the Giants? Don't nah, don't you bluff it and say over the weekend that was yesterday. That's true. Yesterday. Yeah. That's right. So for me, I was very much concerned because I said to myself last year. It was a competition right tackle between Matt Filer, Gerald Hawkins, Zach Banner, Chooks Okorafor. As soon as we got the training camp, probably a week with us being there, they said Matt Filer was our starting right tackle. Matt. Yeah. The fact that this has lingered on this long to mm. where he made the announcement Tuesday at 5, it was in the afternoon. It wasn't like it was in the morning. It was definitely Tuesday in the afternoon when this announcement it was came after out. Labor Day. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, that makes me a little bit concerned because I, I said, okay, I can look at a glass half full or glass half empty. I can say, hey, these two guys were competing so well against each other and they were pushing each other so much that they just could not figure out who the starter should be. Or the glass half empty would hmm. be that <laughs> neither one like they both played well, but neither did enough to take the reins and say, This is my spot. Right. And that's the only thing I'm concerned about because you can potentially go down that path of, well, because neither one of them really secured the spot, it's a week-to-week thing. Hmm. And by doing that, you don't really get the continuity. If you're a banner, now, like I said, I don't really know the details of it, all the particulars of it. Obviously, we didn't get a chance to see them perform in preseason games and things like that. Right. So we have to solely go off of the, the beat reporters or what the stills are putting out. But my thing is, with a guy like Zach, this could be a situation where, all right, well, you're going to get the first try at it, but if you have a bad game, we're pulling you. Now, okay, when you go to Chooks, if Chooks has a bad game, you you go back to Banner, confidence is shot. It's like changing changing your goalie every game in the playoffs. It it, it messes up the dynamic, as we saw this year with the Pens as well. Mm -hmm. So for me, man, that's my only concern. I do hope that since Zach is the starter – he goes out and has success early. Because if he has success early, that will lay all of that to rest. But if he struggles in these first two to three games, the conversation continues. The conversation will continue on. And every day in practice, Coach Tomlin will be talking about how Chooks is looking good. He will highlight him <laughs> to let Zach know, hey, you you are starting week one, but you're not the starter. Right. Which is different. Yes. It's I mean, written in pencil, yeah, not in pen. Absolutely. Yeah. And trust me, man, you play this game long enough, you've had you'll have these conversations. Oh, absolutely. Where they, hey, look, man, you're starting right now, but I'm gonna ride the hot hand or hey, who who who's who who's looking good right now? Who's winning in practice more? So it's a lot of variables that go into this thing. So that's the only reason why I wasn't breathing breathing a sigh of relief just because of how long it took for them to announce it and the way they went about announcing it. I mean, we talked about we had to hear from the report. It, it really wasn't one of those this is our guy, and we're, like, super proud of it, and we're going to put it out there like that. So that's my only concern with it. But now, I do think regardless of Zach Banner or Chooks for as the season progresses, I do think both of them will be fine. I just am concerned in terms of is it going to be to the standard of how Matt Filer did it last year or how Marcus Gilbert did it before then. That's my only concern because of how long it took for them to make the announcement, this is our guy. Yeah, it's certainly like you said, week one starter, but that doesn't mean you're the starter. It's written in pencil, not pen. Hopefully, after 
strong performance week one, strong performance week two. We can put that conversation aside. Well, I do know how much you love pencils too, man. You and your boy Matt Patricia, so it really doesn't oh. surprise me <laughs> that, that you know you you, you put emphasis on writing with this pencil because I know how you back, roll, folks. baby. He I know how back. you roll. <laughs> Arthur Motes is back like he never left. One hour in the books. Another hour to go. In hour number two, we will hear from Ben Roethlisberger. He spoke this morning. We will also have Best of the West Wednesday. Oh, yeah, Arthur Motes. It's our first power rankings of the year. Ooh, so I'll give you a little heads up. Get your okay. list ready, all right? It's our first power. We're back on the straight and narrow like for the it. Best of the West rankings here in week one. We'll also get to your tweets in the last hour of the show. So keep them coming. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Electric! Well, that's good. Me too. I'm fired up to be back at our regular time slot. It's where we belong. I don't have to worry about if it's the afternoon or the evening, if I'm getting my time of the day mixed up. <laughs> I don't have to worry about if it's a three-hour show or a two-hour show or what's going on here. We're back where we belong, noon to two on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Speaking of being back where you belong, Ben Roethlisberger is back where he belongs, Arthur Motes, and that is is under center for the Pittsburgh Steelers and also giving his weekly uh, talk to the media every Wednesday ahead of game week. You know, I missed that last year. Our little yeah, Ben's Day Wednesday. Man. I mean, we got it, what, week one and week two, but that was it. And then there was no Ben's Day Wednesday. Well, he's back. He's ready to go. He is giving his typical Wednesday press conferences. And here is what the quarterback had to say this morning ahead of week one. Hey, Ben, just wondering uh... – we know that there's not going to be a crowd at the, at the Giants Stadium. Uh, they're going to pump in a little bit of crowd noise. Typically, when you're on the road, you use hand signals because it's, so, it's too loud. Will you guys have to use hand signals and stuff because maybe it won't be loud enough and, and, and to keep the Giants uh, from knowing exactly what you're doing? You know, we, uh, we've talked about a lot of different scenarios. Um, you know, even as, as much as giving multiple calls at a time, um, not quite – going as far as the baseball signals, you know, doing the old three type thing, things like that, the indicator. But, um, you know, I think the crowd noise is going to be just enough um, that they can't hear you in the huddle and things like that. But um, hopefully we'll be able to, you know, communicate and not, you know, give too many things away. It's going to be tricky, though. Next up, Mike Pursuta. Mike, go ahead. Hey, Ben, a couple reports out there. Banner's the right tackle and DeCastro's not going to play. Uh, can you confirm that? And what's your thoughts about playing behind a drastically altered offensive line, at least in terms of what you're used to? Well, Mike, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure who's starting, who's not playing, who's going to play, things like that. Uh, I just go out there and, and try and throw the ball around. Um, you know, it's, it's, I know that Marquise Pouncey is going to be out there. Uh, and that's my center. That's my, my cover blanket. And so um, that's what I'm looking forward to. And, Whoever um, the coach decides, puts out there, or can play health-wise or not health-wise, I, uh, I'm excited to get back out and play football. And I know, um, like I said, whoever it's going to be at, at either spot, um, at, at any of those spots, is going to give it everything they have, and, and we're excited to have whoever it is out there. Joe Rudder. Joe, go ahead. 
Yeah, hi, Ben. Um, I, you know, I know you've talked about going year to year with this, but you are, you know, you're getting close to 40 and other quarterbacks are now playing into their 40s. Is that something attainable for you and something you'd like to do? And what is the secret to these guys and you playing so long? I'll be honest, I'm not close to 40 yet, so please don't say that again. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. You know, guys always throw out how long they want to play till. Uh, I don't know. I, I honor my contract, but, um, and I know it's got one more year on it, but I'm going to give uh, this season everything I have, especially since I didn't get to play last year. Um, this season means a lot to me. And so I'm going to give everything I have and, and see what happens. But uh, I don't like to put a time frame uh, on, on how long I want to play because there's too many variables involved. Jerry Dulac. Jerry, go ahead. Ben, good morning. Um, as, as you get to this point now where you are um, with the season ready to start, where can you quantify like your level of excitement slash nervousness slash apprehension, um, you know, maybe relative to past seasons? Well, good morning, Jerry. i tell you what, I was driving in today, this is no joke, um, and crossing the Veterans Bridge, and I, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm actually, like, nervous um, for this season. And um, it, it's, you know, you always have a little bit of jitters and nerves for the first game, but um, the way I feel now is, is more than I've felt in a very long time. And uh, I'm sure it's only going to intensify as the week goes on. And then Monday night, I'm sure I'm going to be shaking like a leaf. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things that you get out there and, and hopefully it all comes back to me really quick. And uh, there's going to be rust. There's no doubt about it. But hopefully we can get it knocked off um, sooner than later. But, um, you know, I think that's what makes it fun. It, it, if I wasn't nervous and I wasn't didn't have that, that anxiousness, then I think that, it, it, you shouldn't be out there, right? You, there's not a love for the game if you don't have that. And, and I think since I have those nerves already, it just shows that, that I, I still love this game and still passionate for it. And I want to go out and win for my teammates and the fans and the city. And so um, I'm, I'm not sure how bad it's going to be. We can talk after the game, but it's, I'm sure it's going to be pretty, pretty different. Aditi, you're up next. Go ahead. Good morning, Ben. Um, as you prepare for this game and you've got this new staff and you don't know how they're playing people, how did you prepare? What film did you watch? And is part of this almost like backyard football? I mean, is there something to look forward to? You just sling the ball around and see what happens? Well, good morning. I think, um, you know, we've watched a lot of different film. It's, I don't know the last time that we've watched so many different teams. I mean, from, Patriots, the Dolphins, the Giants, um, even some Packers stuff. I mean, we, we watched a lot of different things. And so not knowing, um, you know, how many preseason games, like you said. So we, we don't really know. So we've got to be able to have a plan and then work that plan and then plan for the unexpected. So there's going to have to be a lot of sideline adjustments going on. Um, and, and I like the fact that we're a veteran enough team that I hope we can make those adjustments because we can plan for things. But. Uh, until you get out there, you never really know what you're going to see. Mark Caboli, go ahead. Hey, Ben. Um, everybody knows what the Matt Canada fingerprints look like on an offensive scheme from Pitt to LSU, Maryland. In your mind, what are the advantages of the motions, jet sweep actions, and do you like that wrinkle? Well, I'm not – who said we're doing any of that, Mark? <laughs> I'm not giving anything away. <laughs> um no, I know. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing um, is definitely different um, 
for, for a player like myself that's been in the NFL for so long because it does have a lot of college feel to it. I know some teams have started to do it in the NFL the last couple of years, but um, so it's different for me. And so it's taken some getting used to, but I've asked um, like the linemen and, and our defense kind of what it does for them. And it definitely throws the defense um, into a little bit of a tizzy when, when you see the motions, you're not sure who's getting the ball. So, um, and, and it, it helps the lineman block sometimes too with, cause it helps declare on defenses. So, um, it's definitely, this offense will have his fingerprints all over it and you'll see some stuff on Monday night. I'm pretty sure, um, with those motions. So, uh, hopefully we can just be successful with it. Jeff Hathorne, go ahead. Morning, Ben. Uh, you had a long run with Heath at tight end. What do you think of the options that you have at that position this year, and what impact do you think they could have on the offense? Yeah, I'm excited about, about both guys. Um, Vance and Ebron are, are two players that, um, you know, show a lot in the pass game, obviously, very, um, very good athletically, um, but also aren't afraid to block. And so I think they're um, – they're, they're, they're well-rounded tight ends that take pride in, in kind of everything we ask them to do. Um, we're hoping that they can create some matchup problems at times, um, and we hope we can get them down the field at times. So I think there's there's a lot of things that we can do, and I, I think we're still scratching the surface with um, kind of the two tight end sets. Rich Walsh, go ahead. Ben, do you like the fact that um, not many teams know what you guys are about this year, and there are some maybe differences with what you're doing on offense. Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously some uniqueness involved. I mean, for everybody, right? Because there's been no preseason, no one really knows what to expect. I think when you do throw some new coaches in the in, in the mix, it creates some some different looks. So so yeah, it'll be exciting. But um, teams will will get some film on us soon and, and try and figure us out, just like we're trying to figure them out. So. We'll just have to see. I don't, you know, we, we're going to have to be the best we can be at all, all phases of the game, uh, offensively, running the ball, throwing it, um, four-minute offense, all those things. So uh, it can look good on paper, but until you get out there, uh, that's what we have to execute as players. A few more questions. Next up, Jenna Harner. Hey, Ben, good morning. How would you describe the mood among the guys in the locker room right now? Obviously, you're still a couple days out, but at the same time, you know, it is week one. So guys are excited. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of our first in-season Wednesday. I know my wife asked me this morning when I left if I was excited to, to kind of start this week. I know we started Monday, but but really kind of being a, the first Wednesday, and and I, I definitely am, and I, I think other guys are excited. Um, when you get this close, you know, you, you realize how close playing against another team is and the season really starting. So um, I think everyone in the locker room feels kind of this, this general excitement. Next up, Will Graves. Hey, Ben, you know, you mentioned the rust. I mean, usually you guys have a couple quarters in the preseason to get ready. Now you're going from zero to 100. How do you, especially with some young guys, how do you manage, like, the the expectations of trying to be as efficient as possible while knowing there's going to be some bumps in the road? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more worried about myself than I am the other guys. I think, um, you know, I, I got to I have to manage myself, right, as the, as the quarterback, the guy that's handling the ball every play making sure we're in the right play, not trying to do too much. So um, it's going to be on me to, to get myself under control and then um, help young guys as we go. Um, like I said before, I, I think just because we've got a, 
a really good veteran group. I think we can all help each other in that area. Um, my comfort's going to come from the guys in front of me. And, um, you know, we're all going to have to help each other out. Guys are going to have to make plays for me. I'm going to have to make plays for guys. So um, that's why this is the ultimate team sport. Okay, final one, Brooke Pryor. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Ben, you know, the first time we talked to you this offseason, you mentioned having a different perspective from the sideline and getting kind of that big picture view. What specifically did you learn about some of those younger receivers? I know you've played with Juju for a bit, but what do you learn about a guy like Deontay Johnson as far as what routes he likes, maybe what he's good at, what he's not so good at? What can you learn from that sideline? Well, um, you know, like you say, I, I know Juju a little bit. Um, I've enjoyed working with him the, the, for the seasons I've got to do that, and I'm excited to get back out there with him. Uh, and, and Deontay, I got to watch him last last year, and, and just what an incredible talent. It's been a lot of fun to actually get uh, more reps with him and more plays, and, and I'm looking forward to getting out um, in an actual game field with him because I think the sky's the limit in terms of talent with that guy. Um, he's fast. He's quick. He can get open. He's got great hands, so – um, he, he's, he's one of those receivers that you, you really look forward to playing with. And, you know, as for, you know, James Washington, he's another guy that, that I've gotten to play with for a few years and really stepped his game up. And I expect him to keep getting better. He shows that he, that he can, he knows the offense, um, in and out and he's not making mistakes and he's running fast and he's got great conditioning. Um, so excited for, for what he can bring. And then obviously the young guy, Chase, none of us really know what to expect yet. So, um, I think we're all a little excited there as well. All right, thanks, Ben. Ben Roethlisberger this morning ahead of week one. He's he's not giving away anything there, Mozi. I tell you what, you know, Kabali and some of those other guys trying to get him to talk about wrinkles in the offense. Uh, slow your roll. Just watch Monday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is that something, you know, one of the things that I did want to ask you about that, and I've been meaning to ask you this a couple weeks now, and it just came back to me here. Love it when a good radio idea strikes. With some of the wrinkles that Matt Canada could or could not be adding to the offense. Is that probably something that is going to take a little bit longer to see, right, with, with less of an offseason, with no preseason games? Are the Steelers going to come out Monday night, week one, really with a bunch of different looks on offense, or is that something that maybe we should wait and expect to take some time if that's really going to transpire? Uh, I personally think that if you were going to take a chance early on, this is the team to do it against. Hmm. I mean, from the Giants' standpoint, you look at their secondary last year, they were abysmal against the pass, man. It's true. And they didn't do anything to improve that secondary either. So if anything, if I got to take chances, I'd rather take chances early against this Giants' defense. And then from there, you kind of start making your adjustments as the season progresses. But, yeah, I I don't think I would wait. I think I would just come right out and, yeah, try it on these guys because we know – just from a, a, a skill standpoint, a personnel standpoint, they have a new head coach hmm, standpoint. Yeah. Everything is pointing to saying, "Hey, if I got to try something, or if we got new stuff we want to see, now's the time to now's do it." Now's the time. We've been we've been doing it against this elite defense every day in practice. <laughs> okay, let's do it against these guys. The, huh? the Giants are far from elite. Okay, <laughs> so for me, that 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 would be my thought process at least. Yeah, that's a good call by you, especially uh, early on. Right, and then you can always save some of it yeah. again for down the road if you need. And the thing is, this man, you good start out, you. you start out early in the game. You take some of your your shots or some of the new wrinkles that you want to implement in the first quarter, second quarter. Then, hey, if you're not having success, you know you can go back to the bread and butter. That's not changing. That's true. 
you know, we're just trying to get these new wrinkles out there. Yeah. But you want to get them out sooner than later because Iron them out. Yeah, yeah. Because we talked about how in September you might be able to get away with one of these things, but then come later in the year you're gonna need to really know the nuances of everything, how the details of all these stuffs or of all these uh, wrinkles works out and stuff like that. So that way you're prepared when it's a crunch time moment. It's a good call by you, Arthur Motes. I could tell. I mean, I could tell you've been there, done that. I mean, it's I the mean, Giants, bro. Come on, man. You look at the secondary. Jabril Peppers, their best player right now, man. That's a good call by you. That is a good call by you, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. Hour number two on the other side. It's time for best of the West, and we are back with our NFL Power Rankings Week One Edition. We will do that on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Back in our normal time, the return of Best of the West Wednesday. That boy's showing out today. Oh, oh he's fun. showing out We're today. God. I've been waiting for today all Let's week. Let's go, man. <laughs> little return of the Mac as we return to our original best of the west topic and that is of course you know again throughout the offseason we do some fun stuff we did top summer quarantine binge purchases we talk about what we did our five biggest sports pump up songs we've done all different kinds of stuff sports bucket list a lot of versatility with these lists a lot of versatility but we are back for the next what 17 weeks here the best of the west will be what it is during the football season and that is just real simple our week-to-week power rankings 10 teams every week across the National Football League. And since it is my segment, I start, and I want to do it my way, we start at the top of the list here, Arthur Motes. Number one, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I realize you can point to some holes on their roster. The offensive line, not as strong as it was last year. Their linebackers still leave a lot to be desired. But the Chiefs are built, they're designed that they can negate a lot of those weaknesses Mm -hmm. in how they play. Um... I don't know if it's maybe just the offense is so talented that it makes up for some of the lack of defense, but I tell you what, if that defense plays like they did down the stretch last season, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt the Chiefs are number one to me. Defending champions, they'll sit on top of the mountain until somebody knocks them off. A little more than 24 hours now until they take the field at Arrowhead Stadium. Number two on my list, this one hurts, but i got to be honest. All right, there'll be time for me being a homer later. This is the honesty time. I got the Baltimore Ravens. All right. I mean, I know they lost Yonda. I know they lost Earl Thomas. But I still like their roster more than some of these teams that I have behind them. The Ravens are an interesting one to me. I think real quickly we're going to find out if they keep that train rolling or if maybe they come back down to earth a little bit. And I'm not talking they win seven games and it's a disaster season, but they just don't go 14-2. and two. But for now, I've still got the Ravens at two. Motes is going to like this one. Again, I'm being honest here. There's time for homerism on the program. I'm just being honest. I got the Saints 
at number three. <gasps> I mean, arguably the best offensive line oh, in football. Alvin Kamara is not going anywhere. As much as it pains me to say, in. arguably the best wide receiver <laughs> in football. Oh, Love so I missed that part. Say that part again. Arguably the best <laughs> wide receiver in football. Again, this is honesty, West. This is honesty hour Let's here. Go. Best of the West is honesty time. What has right? happened? I leave for a week. <laughs> I come back, and now you give me the Michael Thomas is arguably the best receiver. What? You say he was number three last well, time we talked. Him, that makes him arguably the best. Whoa, man. I don't know what's going on today. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's obviously not the same Drew Brees as there was five years ago, but Drew Brees certainly still capable. That defense is nice, too. Yeah. I mean, they've got playmakers at every level. Um, I, the one, You know what the one kind of uh, monkey wrench, curveball for the Saints for me this year to mm. keep an eye on? That's a team that eight games a year has a big home field advantage. Yes. Like if you were going to make a list of hardest five places to play in the NFL, everybody would have the Saints on their list. Absolutely. I'm interested to see how that plays out. But again, this is just – these are the best teams right now. Some of that intangible stuff not mattering currently. I got the Saints at three. Arthur Motes at four. I've got the 49ers. Clearly the number four team for me, but I think they're a little bit closer to one, two, and three than they are two, five, six, and seven. Okay, so I've got the Niners at four, and then this is where it really got hard for me. There were four teams that I considered at the number five spot, including your Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll get to them soon. But at number five, I actually went to Dallas Cowboys. Uh, okay, Arthur okay. Motes, I don't know if you know this. You're a Cowboys fan? <laughs> <In> the, <laughs> you stop it. In the last 15 years, okay, uh-huh. Before last year, there had only been two teams to have a top 10 offense, top 10 defense, and not make the playoffs. The Dallas Cowboys became the third last year. Top mm. 10 offense, top 10 defense, didn't make the playoffs. I think Mike McCarthy gets things going in the right direction. I, I, I love that offense. I mean, Dak and Zeke and Gallup, and they bring in CeeDee Lamb, and they've got one of the most solid offensive lines in the league. Uh, I love the Everson Griffin addition to the defense. I think that's offsets some of what they lost to free agency in the offseason. I'm not confident about this. Everson there is huge. Huge. Bro. That's what huge. that to me is was the the hair splitting difference that allowed me to put them at number five. But so you got think him. De, uh, was it Demarcus Lawrence? Mm-hmm. And then they they extended Randall Gregory as they soon did. as he got it. They did. I said my man got reinstated. They got a contract extension. They did. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I got the Cowboys at five. Number six, I've got our Pittsburgh Steelers. There uh, it is. Some question marks, right? around health and availability, but that's not what this list is. These are the most talented rosters right now, so we're assuming Ben Roethlisberger's playing 16 games. We're assuming James Conner's good to go. Juju Smith-Schuster, good to go. We're assuming Stephon Tewitt stays healthy. All of that considered, yeah, I mean, look at the Steelers' roster. you kidding me? We've talked about some of the concerns Mm -hmm. at depth, but in terms of starters, they're starting 11 on each. They're starting 22, if you will, They've got, I think, the fewest questions of maybe any team other than maybe the Saints, the Niners. Oh, uh, and the Saints. Steelers roster is fantastic. They just need the health concerns to go their way. Steelers at number six. Oh, man, I'm feeling this is oh, any oh. of these teams I could have at number seven. But the difference for me was Jamal Adams and Russell Wilson. I got Ooh. Seattle at number seven. I, I know Motes and I, we talk a lot of times about how Maybe necessarily just the pure talent isn't on that roster, but for whatever reason, Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner have been enough for that team. You add Jamal Adams, secure the back end. Uh, they haven't had that type of talent at safety since they went to back-to-back Super Bowls a few years ago. Seattle at seven. I got the Packers at eight. They're the hardest one for me. I could see the Packers taking a big step back this year. Now, they won 13 games last year. That Correct. is hard to repeat. But I mean, like, I could see the Packers only winning seven, eight, nine games this year. 
but I could also see them still winning 11-12 games. It's going to be an interesting year for the Packers, for Aaron Rodgers, that whole dynamic with him and LaFleur now and how that all plays out, but I still think they've got a very good defense. They've got a talented running back, and Rodgers, while he doesn't have A-plus weapons, he's still got some decent ones. I mean, he got a top-ten receiver He's got a top-ten receiver. A debatable exactly. top-ten running back out e- there. Exactly. That's all Aaron yeah. Rodgers needs often, and a pretty good offensive line in front of him, too. And a filthy defense. Packers at eight. I've got Arthur Motes' Let's Go Buffalo at number nine. I was wondering how long he was going to make him wait. I wasn't going to make them. I don't know if you saw NFL.com has them sixth. I did see that. NFL.com also has the Titans fifth on their power rankings. That's what, are we, what are we doing here? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know why? Oh, because they added They just added Clowney. Clowney. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Of course. That's yeah. what that was. That's a nice addition for them yeah. for sure. Uh, I got Buffalo at nine. I uh, This is a team that in a week or two could really move up the list. Talented at every level on defense. They add Stephon Diggs. I think that's big. They had a nice draft. I really like what Buffalo's got cooking. Like I said, some of these other teams, maybe I'm leaning on the success that we've seen over the past year or two, playoff wins, things like that. Buffalo, I think, is right next in line. Again, I've got them at nine, but they could easily move up by week one or week two. And then at number 10, I mean, I couldn't leave these guys off the list. I put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number 10. Yeah. Now, Arthur Much, you will notice this means that I did not name who you always say my Philadelphia Eagles. If we would have done this a week or two ago, I think I would have had the Eagles – on my list at nine or ten, huh. but Moats, they've lost a lot on offense already. They have don't they? All, they, they, they do this every do. year. They do this every year. Like, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Brooks out. They're starting right guard, arguably one of the best guards in Wait football. I'm waiting to see is Jason Peters going to say, "Hey, <laughs> I need that left tackle money" because he hinted to it before they asked him they, to move. I think they did give him a little. Yeah, because he definitely said, "Look, I signed, I signed yeah. here to play guard, but if I'm gonna move to tackle, I need more money." They gave him a little restructure <laughs> and like not in a typical restructure way, like in the less restructure. Structure way. <laughs> but I mean, Andre Dillard out. Uh, Brandon Brooks out. Now Lane Johnson, they're saying, might not be ready yeah. to play on Sunday. And, and I know that's, that breaks and that's your heart. already counting on uh, Marquise Goodwin. Uh, Goodwin's gone. Yeah, Jalen Rager he, is yeah. out for the first couple weeks. Miles Absolutely. Sanders hasn't practiced. And Arthur Motes, you know, as much as I love him, all these injury concerns, and we haven't even mentioned Carson Wentz yet. <laughs> I just, there's, there's, there's suddenly become, you know, there's, there's become way too many tangible, and I know I said with the Steelers, I'm ignoring some of these, but that's because until we see what Ben does out on the field, until right. we see what James well, no, no. And, and Juju do out thing, on the field. It's a difference when you're talking about projecting a guy being hurt or projecting a guy not right being now. correct. <laughs> yes. These guys are currently these guys hurt. Are currently injured. That's like if and we, if we talk San Fran, we talk San Fran. Yes. Debo Sam, we don't have to project yes. him being injured. Correct. He is injured. He is injured. <laughs> yes. Correct. Uh, I like what the Eagles got going on defense. I think the Hargrave addition is big. I think him and Fletcher Cox are going to eat uh, uh, eat offensive lines this season. Uh, but I got the Bucks at 10. Well, I was going to say, because Hargrave injured too right now. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's just. Golly. Yeah. They are. They're, they're banged up. A, a team that has been banged up the last few years in season is now going into the season already, already banged, banged up. up. Yeah. It's hard for me to think that that's going to change. So Bucks 10. Eagles 11, and then I, I had the Vikings and the, the Titans following up. I like that, man. All right, so uh, and we started one and going down, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's see how aligned right. or unaligned we are. Week one here, baby. No, 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 no. We're pretty solid, man. So at the start, I had the Chiefs as well. I think okay. that they got better. They they were able to retain all the services and pay everybody. I don't know where this Monopoly money has come from, but they were able to pay Mahomes. They were able to pay Travis Kelsey. They were able to pay – uh, Chris Jones, they were able to pay. Um, I think someone else got paid too. Now that I think about it, oh. Tyron Matthew. 
No, might not have been Matthew. I thought it was an lineman. Mitchell Schwartz. Or did he get paid last year? He got paid last year. year. Okay. I feel like somebody else got I paid. Think he though, might be right. Yeah. A lot of people got paid in Kansas City. I was kind of trying to figure yeah. like how did that happen? But either way, they bring back everyone paid, and then the addition of Clyde Edwards Salar. That is a major upgrade in the backfield. They haven't had a back like that since Kareem Hunt, and he's going to be a better version of Kareem Hunt just from athletic ability alone standpoint. So, man, for me, that's why I have the Chiefs at one. The defense, I think they're going to be completely fine. You got your pass rushes. They're playing. They're going to either be playing in the lead yeah. or rapidly coming back to take the league like we've seen them do mm-hmm. numerous times. So that defense is set up for that. They're able to rush the passer, obviously, with Frank Clark and uh, Chris Jones in the front seven and things like that. And like I said, on the back end with the Honey Badgers, Tyron Matthews, they're going to be fine, man. At number two, yeah, I went with the Baltimore Ravens as well. They got better. (laughs) We talked about it, man. We know what they want to do. We know their identity. They bring in J.K. Dobbins, and we know him along with Mark Ingram. That is a nice one-two punch, and that's not even talking about what Lamar can do on the ground. Now, the reports are that Lamar has been a lot better this year in training camp than he was last year, and last year he was pretty good. He won MVP. So, for me, I'm just like, dude, they could be scary good. Now, I don't know if they're going to be a 14-win team, but that's still going to be a 12-win team, however you slice it. That I mean, barring injury, obviously. That's just how I see them being, man, because they are complete offense, defense, mm-hmm. special teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about the weapons they have on special teams. Legit. Yep. Hey, weapons. listen, we, we'll, get into, we'll get into Homer, Moats, and Euler at yeah. some point. But well, I always say that on They're still the rat birds to me, yeah. so it don't matter. Yeah, and they're still not going to win yeah. the Super Bowl. I mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So at number three, man, I'm going down to, to the boot, man, down in New Orleans. Wow, look at us, three for three. I know. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. But, yeah, man, the New Orleans Saints, let's be real, man. Drew Brees, I don't care how old you want to say he is, he's still Drew Brees. He still balls out. He still led the league it's, for the third year in a row in completion it's percentages. It's crazy now. You could argue that their weakness is Drew Brees' age. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's how good that's the Saints it. roster is. Yeah. You could argue their weakness is Drew Brees' but, age. But, but then on top of that, I still feel like they upgraded the backup quarterback position. That too. Going from Teddy Bridgewater to Jameis Winston. So when I think of that, along with, like you said, Michael Thomas, and they're getting a deal done with Alvin Kamara to keep him yeah, happy, which is anywhere. huge, huge. We I talked about the that offensive line. I didn't either, but... A team that fancies themselves Super Bowl contenders yeah. isn't looking to offload Alvin Kamara. Not, not at all. No. Not, 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 not prime Alvin Kamara. <laughs> exactly. Maybe three, four years from now, that's different, but not right now. <laughs> no chance. But, yeah, you look at their defense as well, man. Demario Davis, obviously they got Cameron Jordan mm-hmm. out there, a ton of pieces. They're, they're a very complete team. And the fact they play in that dome is going to help them out, regardless of it not having the crowd there or not. Controlled environment, yeah, controlled climate. Understanding the climate, man, that is a major win. So that's why I have them at three. At number four, I got to go with the Dallas Cowboys here, man. On paper, their roster is phenomenal. Ooh. Offense, defense, you find a weakness for me. My biggest concern is Mike McCarthy. First-year head coach in a crazy offseason with no preseason. Because for me, I don't. I still feel that Mike McCarthy was a large product of Aaron Rodgers. So that's my only concern. This is going to get. This is opportunity to audition to show that he's more than that. Yeah. Kind of how Coach T last year without Ben got a chance to show how really good he is or how good of a coach he is without having a Hall of Fame quarterback. We haven't seen that from McCarthy. When he's had those opportunities when Aaron Rodgers was down, Team didn't look that way. Right. Team wasn't even in the same ballpark. No. They were never talked about as, oh, they could still get into the playoffs. It was never that. It wasn't that, like the Saints going 5-0 and when right. Drew Brees was out. <laughs> so that's my only concern when it comes to Mike McCarthy. So that's why I have them at four. If, if it was a different coach or we've already seen stuff from him, he, they, they could potentially be a lot higher mm-hmm. than this. At number five, man, I had to go out to the Bay, though, man. San Fran. I mean, when you look at their roster, dude, 
outside of wide receiver, which we talked about on any other team, the way wide receivers are in, in San Fran are kind of like wide receivers in Baltimore. They're there as accessories, but their main pieces are the running game and the tight ends. That's who they feature. And when you look at the Niners, number one, they locked up their running back. Yep. Mustard got paid. Locked and up then, the tight and end. then you locked up, uh, <laughs> you locked up the tight end, uh, uh, George Kittle. Yep. So when you look at those two pieces – Oh, and then you go upgrade your left tackle spot and bring in Trent Williams, who we talked about as arguably the best left yeah. tackle in the game, been that way for the past <laughs> they, they 10 say years. They he's been dogging Nick Bosa at and, training and we camp. we know Nick Bosa. We know what he is. Yeah. So when I think of all those things, I'm like, they got better. Yeah. Their biggest concern right now is Garoppolo. Yep. What is he is he going to be able to continue? Back is he, and, can he continue mm-hmm. the trajectory that he's on? Because last year he showed great strides. He showed that he does have that potential to take you to a Super Bowl, which he did. And, I mean, it was literally one throw away from winning the Super Bowl. That's going to be the biggest question mark for them because from a coaching standpoint, I mean, they are lights out. When you look at Shanahan, uh, when you look at Cal Shanahan, you look at uh, Sayla on, on the defense and stuff like that, man, they are complete. So that's why they're at five. At six, now this is where we differed majorly. At six, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, man. Ooh. They're a roster, dude. I know. You, you look at the roster. What, the biggest concern is what? You could say offensive line, yeah, Brady's age. Is Brady going to look like how he did last year or is he going to like the years before last? My thing was this. Brady still threw for 4,000 yards and still had what the, the his receivers led the league in drops. With not much talent yeah. there, yeah. So when I think of that and I look at the weapons he has now, along with the addition of Leonard Fournette, I don't care what Bruce Arians is saying about Jones being the starter. <laughs> you lying to yourself. You're not lying to me, baby. I don't care what you're talking about. I did like that. Listen, listen. I'll give you three games before Fournette is the guy. All right, that's just how I feel about it. Oh, it, he's it, top fact, two and he ain't number two. Listen, in fact, I, I throw Shady McCoy in there over Jones. I'm just throwing Ooh. it out there, all right? And I know how you feel about it. That's why I didn't want to bring him up all the way, okay? But I'm just saying, <laughs> in general, <laughs> they have a very talented roster, man. Very okay. talented. Their biggest concern is offensive line. But my thing is this. They addressed the offensive line through the draft along yep. with the fact with Brady's style of play you can get away with average to below average offensive linemen because he gets the ball out so fast. Mm -hmm. Those tackles, those offensive linemen in New England that left there and got paid, they all struggled. That's true. Because it's a difference when you have to protect for 2.5 to 3 seconds versus having to protect for Three and a half to five seconds. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else you got to do three and a half to five. When it's Brady, Two he seconds. knows where he's going with the ball. He knows how he wants to attack defenses. He knows as soon as I see it, this is what I'm doing. So as an offensive lineman, even if you're not the most skilled, you can stand in the guy's way for two seconds if you're comparable. That's all you got to be is comparable. And for me, knowing that, that's why I have them a lot higher than probably some people would because for me, the old line doesn't good, scare no, me like that. That's a very good point by you. And, and like I said, the addition of Leonard Fournette, man, that changed the game because we talked about O-line and running back was the question marks. Shady bringing him in, it was cool, but it was like Shady's on the back end. We don't know. I mean, we saw him in Buffalo prior to last year look right, good, but right. last year obviously signing with the Chiefs late when he did, things just never really materialized for him. So I still have my concerns with him, but Fournette? Fournette's coming off of a career high receptions in 70 and 70 catches, about and we know what Brady wants to do. 
Fournette Brady had loves over, to get the back. Fournette he, had over 1,700 yards from yes, scrimmage last year, yes. and people are talking about him like he's a bum. I, exactly. I don't get it. When clearly the Jags are tanking, like him getting released yeah. by the Jags, I don't think says anything about him other than maybe he didn't want to be there. Uh, Would you want to be there? I've already had my own experience. Like I'm they good. are tanking for Trevor. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah, like man. Moats and I have talked about our grand plans last year. Of you know, the Steelers won the Super Bowl. Ben retires on the show. Right. You tank for a year, then you get Trevor Lawrence. That's done. Yeah. Because the Jags, the Jags are going to be in yeah. that driver's position. And people are acting like that's a big indictment on Fournette, it's the not dude who, the dude who, with what a six-round rookie draft pick last year, and dude. arguably the worst offensive line in football. Had over seventeen hundred yards from scrimmage. Best year. Like people are talking yeah. about him like he's a bum. I, I, I don't get unreal. it. I don't I, get I it. Say it's a reason why every player that Jacksonville has drafted or signed through free yes. agency has left. Yes. You and look we, on that roster from the AFC Championship game, that defense, none of those guys are there still, man. It's, it's, that's a problem. You look at their first-round picks from the last, like, eight years, yeah. none of them are still there. That's, that's organization. That CJ Henderson, players. they're one from right. a few months ago, is the only one right. still there. And we'll that's, see if he's there four that's years That's organization. That's not – and you, I think they just traded Jalen Ramsey a year ago and then traded A.J. Bouye this offseason. Right. Right, yeah. and Yannick Ngakwe. Come on, like, man. I don't, dude, people, like, people, maybe it's because we, like, Leonard Fournette looked like he was going to be Bo Jackson coming out yeah. of college, but, like, I don't know why people think he's so bad. Over 1,700 yards from scrimmage last year on arguably, the, on arguably the worst offense in the league. That if guy he had 70 play. catches between Garner Minshew and Nick oh. Foles, imagine what that's going to look like with Brady. Right. right. Imagine what's going to look like when you got Mike Evans out there, Chris Godwin out there. Game changer. So that's why I got the Bucks at six. At number seven, here we go, hey. Steelers. Here we go. The only reason they're not higher is because, obviously, they had the, the, the situation that took place last year with no preseason. We just haven't had a chance to see what it looks like. I mean, we hear the reports about Chase Claypool. We've heard the reports about how Ben's arm looked. We just haven't had a chance to see it. So I just want to see it. That's it. I, I'm not asking for much. Just look, listen, you go out there on Monday night and play like how I know y'all can play? Oh, they, they they moving on up. It's not even a debate. But it's just the, all right, we know this, but until I physically right. see it, right. I can't go there just yet. That's the only reason why I have them at seven. And number eight, I got the Buffalo Bills, hey. baby. I mean, man, we talked about them. Their, their roster got better this offseason. It did. You you bring in Stephon Diggs was huge. You uh you bring in Josh Norman that ultimately adds more depth to your cornerback position. You take care of Tre'Davious White, get him locked up for a long term deal. I mean, the 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 draft. You look at the guys they brought in through the draft. Uh, um, the running back. You also have AJ mm-hmm. and Vanessa. So when you look at all of those pieces, they did a really good job on top of locking up their tackle and Deion Dawkins. Yes. So they paid the guys that needed to be paid. They got younger at the position they needed to get younger in, and they brought in a bona fide number one receiver to go along with John Brown, who's coming off a thousand yard receiving a, a thousand yard receiving season, anyways. So when I look at all those things, along with the coach and the stability, everything they've been doing these past three years since McDermott's been up there, everything is pointing to them continuing to be a group on the rise, man. I agree. The only reason, like I said, the only reason the Steelers are ahead of them is because I know even with Ben, with a question mark right now, I'm taking him over You're Josh. You're taking Allen. him over Josh. That, that's yeah. it. Because yeah. that's where – that's. I feel like the only difference in the rosters right, right now. And, I mean, the quarterback – Other than that, they're pretty – Let's it's not pretty, dance around it. The quarterback's yeah. a big part of no these questions. lists. No question. I feel like the Bills probably have the more complete roster, <laughs> but the quarterback yeah. play in Pittsburgh trumps a lot of that because they're still comparable. So that's why I have them where they are. At number nine, man, I got the Green Bay Packers, man. Aaron Rodgers, that whole down year myth – no, it wasn't a down year. It was just a, a – 
a, a, a <laughs> he efficient wasn't Superman. Year. Yeah. Right. He, he he was efficient though. He wasn't turning the ball over. You talk about a guy twenty seven touchdowns, four picks, dude. That's a monster season. Still over four thousand yards. Yeah, what's we that? Talk- a five to one touchdown Come to interception on, ratio. Come on, it's two it's two things that you look for: a touchdown interception ratio and is he over four thousand yards passing. He checked both of those boxes. Brilliantly. He won 13 games in the process. Absolutely. So for me, man, I'm looking at him and I'm saying, okay, you got Aaron Jones back another year. You got Devontae Adams out here another year. Dude, you're ready to go. Yep. I understand, hey, man, y'all, you could have drafted this guy, could have brought that guy in. That's fine. I I don't care about quarterbacks' feelings because if that was a linebacker they drafted or a running back they drafted, we'd be talking about, oh, it's great competition, man. Mm -hmm. They're going to push each other. You need the depth. So for me, I keep that same energy with quarterbacks. Probably why I don't like quarterbacks all the time. I think so. Because they they get treated. I think we pinned it down. There's like, oh, 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 no, no, no. No, no, no competition for them. I don't want to offend him. I don't want to hurt his feelings. I don't care about your feelings. You know what I mean? If you're that nice, it shouldn't matter who you bring in. You should beat him out. That's what keep that energy. That's how I look at it, man. So for me, with the Packers, I think they are more than fine. I understand on defense. I love the Smiths, man, between mm-hmm. Preston and Zadarius. Zadarius, I, I think I love Zadarius' game so much because he dances after he gets sacks. He did the Pennywise yep. dance. He, he does everything. <laughs> like, I'm all full of guys that kick butt and dance. Yep. Like, like have let some me, fun let while you're doing you it. Let me know you enjoying yourself. Have some fun while this you're doing it. This isn't work. This is pe- this is pleasure right here. Let me know that you're enjoying it. So that's why for me, man, I got the Packers at nine, and then at ten, this was tough. Ooh. It was a three horse race, man. Ooh. I had the Seahawks, Vikings, and Titans. All three of them, man, pretty much mm-hmm. had different things about them. Obviously, the addition of Jadavion Clowney to the Titans that changes some things. Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. <clears throat> then I looked at the Vikings, and I'm like, dude, they still are so solid. And then you lose Stephon Diggs, but you draft really well in terms of replacing him with um, it was Pittman. I want to say mm-hmm. they went up there. No, so uh, no, 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 Pittman went to the Colts. It was, it was uh, the from LSU. Guy. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, Timmons? No. Uh, Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons, Justin not Simmons. Timmons. Yeah. Simmons, there we Justin go. Justin Simmons went there, yeah. So when I think of that, I'm like, dude, that's nice. That's mm-hmm. that's beautiful right there. Defensively, we talked about, man, you got a, a top three linebacker in Eric Kendrick. Yep. You got a top three Harrison safety Smith, in Harrison Smith. Danielle Hunter. Absolutely, man. Like, you have everything that you need offensively and defensively mm-hmm. there. So for me, that was a part of that thing. And then obviously with the Seahawks, yeah, Russell Wilson. Yep. <laughs> Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and, and Tyler Lockett. I'm like, I'm cool with that. The old mm-hmm. line's trash, but you got Chris Carson, who I'm a fan of. Me too. And then defensively, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, those are my guys, Bring man. Jamal I, I, they, Adams. Dude, and the additional Jamal Adams. And that was what ultimately led to me putting them at 10. Yeah. The additional Jamal Adams changed it a lot for me because you got him. You still got the uh, – uh, not not Shaq, not Shaq Griffin. You got the other – Shaquem. Yes. Shaquem. Shaquem Griffin out there as well. And, man, for me, I'm just like, dude, Jamal Adams is going to be a big-time presence for them because late for the past couple of years when Earl was out there at the end of his career – it was more reputation. I agree. We 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 know that. You watch the film. It, it it was taking a decline. Then in Baltimore, he had good moments, but he still had more of those bad plays showing up on his yes. tape. Jamal Adams is in his prime. Mm-hmm. You're not going to deal with that with Jamal Adams. And he's never been on a team, at least in the NFL level, <clears throat> this good. Yeah. So he's going to be highly motivated. On top mm-hmm. of that, you talk about an organization with stability from top to bottom as well. All of those things go well. Oh, and they got Josh Gordon coming back. Remember yep. that? So, yeah, when I think of all of those things, I'm like the Seahawks because more so Russell Wilson. Yes. But when you add just that little bit of help around him, yeah, they're, they're the number 10 team for me, man. I like it. There it is, our inaugural best 
of the West lists ahead of week one. Uh, David says here, man, this lunchtime sandwich just hits different with my boys back on the air. Moats hey. brought back that Kill Devil Hills energy. Is that, Ooh, a, is that yeah. an Outer Banks thing? Yeah, okay. Kill Devil Hills, Kitty Hawk, <laughs> Duck, Corolla. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of Duck and Corolla, uh-huh. so that's what I figured. Uh, so we'll get to those tweets with your lunchtime hitting different before we get out of here. One last chance to get them in or hold your peace for the next 22 hours at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. We wrap with your reaction on the other side of Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrap it up with your tweets as we always do. Antonio chimes in here. Justin Jefferson mm. is the wide receiver. That's what they are. Uh, yeah, good good call there, Antonio. Definitely appreciate you, baby. Yeah, he also says, uh, listening to you two again. Missed you guys. Glad to be back with the season start a day away. What are you most interested in this football season? Hmm. What am I most interested in? Hmm. Uh. You know what? <laughs> this might not be a popular answer. Uh, this is going to be an outside answer. Here we go. I'm interested to see how the stick to sports crowd operates as we get closer to what is it, November third or November fourth? Wow. That's you know what you want my honesty. We have never been at a crossroads wow. of politics and sports more in this country than we are right now. And I would be an idiot if I said that I thought that to go away when it's the National Football League, the most powerful sports entity in this country. I'm interested, Arthur Motes, to see the stick to sports, the I'm not watching if you do this or do Mm -hmm. that. That's what I'm most excited to see because guess what? Spoiler alert, by week three, you're all going to be watching. Keep that same energy. I <laughs> Keep like that it. same energy. I like it, man. <laughs> what are you most interested with this football season? Oh man, I know what it is. It's it's the Washington football team, obviously. Well, no, I'm definitely gonna be tuning into them, <laughs> man. But I think for me, man, I'm just trying to just enjoy the process of like the games being back. You know yeah. what I mean? Just in general, like we've seen the different bubbles, we've seen the different leagues coming back, but none of them have been football. Hmm. None of them are we have we seen that has this type of buzz around it. Right. So for me, that's the biggest thing, just seeing those guys back out there. And where it's still in a normal right, schedule. Right, Being able to just turn my TV on on Sunday at 1 o'clock and it's like, bam, we got football here. You know what I mean? Amen, I plan on, partner. I, I'm planning on going to get me some chips and salsa Amen, for tomorrow. Partner. I plan on getting me some uh, uh, adult beverages to Ooh. enjoy my game experience. And that's what I'm on this year. I love I it. I said because last year, you know, for me, I did the tailgating thing, right? Mm-hmm. So – my first experience away from playing was, okay, now I'm tailgating. I'm in the stadium. It was a different vibe. This year, I get to enjoy sitting at the house, kicking my feet up with the fan, watching the game, mm-hmm. baby. And listen, it's always something to be excited always. about. I got the big boy TV. Always. I got my chair. Don't touch me. Don't look at me the wrong way, baby. It's <laughs> football time now. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Mav chimes in here. How about Cam Hayward's tweet? That was epic. Yes, it was. Legendary, man. For those of you unfamiliar, just go to his Twitter profile and how he announced uh, his 
his uh, staying with the Steelers, but just don't have the kids around. There might have been some choice language in there, but definitely a great video. It's only acceptable when you're staying in Pittsburgh. You can have that choice language, so it's okay. <laughs> Don Juan says, welcome back from vacation. Moats, enjoying the show, guys. Love that you're back at the regular time. Don't have to wait to catch the podcast when I'm working the graveyard shift. Yeah, reminder, for those of you, maybe if you were liking us at the 3 o'clock time because it worked out better for you work-wise or whatever, you can always get the podcast uploaded every day, commercial-free, on-demand. Steelers Blitz, wherever you get your podcast. Josh chimes in here. Thoughts on uh, Colin Kaepernick being back in Madden. I love it. And I'm a little concerned with the Steelers offensive line with David DeCastro reportedly out. Uh, (laughs) And he said also at you, uh, I caught a replay before Tunch and Wolf of Wes Euler uh, giving TB12 and Philly loving. Don't let him get away with that. (laughs) Oh no. What happened? Well, I was just giving some Philly uh, some Philly hard dose of reality there in the last segment. That's what that was? Well, when I talked about how I don't like where they're at right now as a football team, uh, I'm a little concerned about the Castro being out too. I am because just it's been, you know, a lot of he's not practicing and he's not practicing, a lot of unknown there. Uh, And I I like Colin Kaepernick being back in Madden. Hey, Andrew Luck and A.B. were in Madden still. This is true. Why can't Colin Kaepernick be in it? I mean, the only thing that bugs me is they got him the same rating as Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, but that's yeah. more of a slight Dude, to Ben no, no, Roethlisberger. When I saw the guys that he was rated ahead of, I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait now. All right, Kyler Murray, okay, you, you can throw that up debatable. But the rest of them guys, stop lying to yourself. <laughs> David, speaking of TB12 in Philly, David uh, says, this question is for Wes. Can you touch on the differences of working in the Pittsburgh sports market compared to your time in Philly? Like, do the Eagles have year-round programming, etc.? I'm in Saints country, and there's nothing down here like the great work Yins do up there. Uh, the Eagles do not have a full uh, year-round football programming station. They do have their own network. That's but because they don't have enough fans for that, man. No it turns in. Philly. It, it, it turns it, you'll like this, it turns into a rock station the network does during the offseason. Like, no commercials, no nothing. Just, like, a DVE, but with no personality. Like, it's just classic rock hits on loop. It's kind of nice, actually. Wow. Okay. Um, the only... We were talking about this during break. I think, other than the Steelers, other than us in Pittsburgh, Cowboys, Packers, Seattle. The Right? There's only four NFL franchises yes, that have a 24-7, year-round mm-hmm. uh, NFL network. But I will say this. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough. I, I worked in Ohio. I've worked in Pennsylvania. I've worked in New Jersey. I've worked in West Virginia. I've been around a lot of other professional NFL fan bases. Eagles fans, when it comes to the intensity, they're the only ones I've seen that can match steel. You know what I mean? Like, no, no. How in this town, Wait a minute how now. Wait a minute now. It's football, you know, from usually in a normal season, from yes. the end of July through Valentine's Day, it's football and nothing else matters. And, and everybody's dressed in the colors when they walk it, around the city. That, yes. Philly is Philly is very similar to it. Does The, the Flyers could be doing great. The, the, the Sixers could be doing great. What's going on with the football team? That's all people care See? about for eight months a year. Yeah, so I was gonna say that's how it is in Buffalo. Like yeah. people just walk around yeah, Buffalo, with the, with the blue and red one. on. Yeah. yeah. Now the only reason I was gonna say when you were talking about Philly fans and how passionate I said, no, no, no. Philly's the only place where I've seen fans that will really like assault you. Outside of <laughs> Oakland, they will assault you. Yes. They, they, it, they it, fought one of the Sixers. I, I know. For wearing a Washington listen, foot. They listen. fought one of the basketball players I in know, their bro. city because he wore a Washington foot a Sean I, Taylor I, I jersey to, to the Eagles game. I know. And, and I heard he lost the fight too. No, I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> I think, what's his name? Scott something, I think, yeah. was the guy's name for the Sixers. I think he won the fight. He had a much longer reach than, like, yeah, the 5'10 drunken man. Eagles. But, yeah, that's that's my thing. I'm just like, ah. Dude. It's only a couple of stadiums. I'm like, fam, y'all not coming to that game, all right? We, we, yeah. 
Philly was one of them. Oakland. I never played in Oakland, but if I did play in Oakland, you're not coming out here to Oakland. No, not happening. Yes. They call it the black hole for a reason. Yes. Yeah, no. Not the 24-hour network coverage, but in terms of, like, when it's football time, that's all there oh, yeah. is. Nothing else matters. And you know what? It's kind of like it is here in Pittsburgh, too. Uh, there's college teams that play on Saturday in Philadelphia, <laughs> but nobody really cares. I mean, it's, I, I, it's, even it's though, the Steelers, even though it's I'm the taking, Eagles. I'm taking our Pitt team over that Temple team. If we talk so. about sharing stadiums and stuff. I think so, too. Yeah. Especially since Matt Rule's been uh, – Temple had a couple good years they, they, there no, under they Matt, did. Under I, Matt no, Rule. Al Golden changed it. Remember, yeah, Al Golden right. started that's it. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last one here from me. Uh, says, Westman and Dr. Motes. What's the intel on uh, how Ray Ray, Le- Ray Ray McLeod was able to edge out Ryan Switzer for the last wide receiver spot? From everything I heard, it was a special teams value, man. Hmm. Um, obviously, in the return game, him and Anthony McFarlane are listed as the kick returners because obviously Deontay Johnson is listed as the primary punt returner. But that's the biggest thing that I heard was just from a special team standpoint, he brought a little bit more to the table because neither one of those guys are going to be your top three, top four wide receivers. So that becomes the next thing in terms of, okay, who has a chance to see the field on special teams? Who can help us? And right now, Ray Ray provides a little bit more in yeah. that vein. Uh, Kim also, or uh, pardon me, me also wants to know with a follow up. Is it really me? Like M E? M E with an exclamation point. That's oh, an exclamation point. Me. There, there we go. Say it like that. Don't use like wants me. Wants to know like, uh, our go to cookie. Oh, man. Co- uh, chocolate chip with MMs. Yeah. Yeah. Mandatory. Gotta have MMs. I'm a, in I'm it. a classic chocolate chip guy. I really also like uh, the macadamia nut cookies. See, I like them, but I was never allowed to eat them. My mom, that was like really? her private she stash. Like, oh, she okay. had I like the, tell like, me she was allergic. So no, you couldn't no, have them no. In the house she had like something. was it uh, was it Pe- Pepperidge or I think Pepperidge it was? Farms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like her private stock. She never let us even like look at them too long. So anytime <laughs> I see them, even though now I'm able to get them, anytime I see them, I'm like, nah, we can't buy that. That's like mom. That's what she eats. I'm not allowed <laughs> to eat that. It's crazy. <laughs> It is funny how that stuff sticks with you. Yeah. Sure. like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not allowed to buy that. That'll do it for us today. Back at noon, ready for some football. Moats, great questions, great participation on Twitter throughout the show. We're back at noon. Hopefully our, our megawatts, our loyal listeners, the power grid, are back uh, locked in with us. Everybody who chimed in on Twitter today, we really appreciate it. Um, you know I say this sometimes. It's because I mean it. It really – the show is much better. I mean, Moats and I love talking to each other. We do it outside of the show, too. We text each true. other. We go back and forth. Um, but your participation really does make it a lot more fun and gives us a lot of different angles to, uh, to talk about things. So we'll do that again tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk to our buddy Brian Backo as well. By the way, we didn't do Backo last week without you here. Oh. I know. He held true to Arthur Moats. Wow. So now it's going to be my turn to yell at him for making me do more work You're last right. week. You're absolutely right, man. <laughs> we'll also have a little three-question Thursday tomorrow. So we'll talk to Yins then back at our regular time, high noon. But as always, you know where to find us. It's on your 24-7, home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.